Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today, our true survival story podcast where we talk about true survival stories. Yep. Yep. That's, that's it. it. That's the podcast. Thanks for coming <laughs> Um No, so I am excited that it is the last episode before Christmas. Yeah. So that's Tis cool. the season. Yeah. I wanted to find a story that was, um, you know kind of holiday-y but it's it's hard to holiday holiday-y it's hard to um google uh the christmas survival story or you know because what came up for me was just like how to survive your in-laws around the holidays and i was like oh god like that's not what i was should we do like a christmas guide surviving your in-laws during right christmas time no do you get any good tips I didn't click on them because that wasn't what I was looking for. Oh, well, that's no fun. Yeah. You know your family. I have to survive them. My God. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm totally joking. Um, so. Yeah, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, I swear I like you. Um, uh, anyway, so I basically thought of a story that like isn't, a, you know, a Christmas story, but it does fall around the holidays. So I was yep. like, you know what? That's cool. This story is like tea. It's it's interesting. Okay, strap in because strap it in. is going to be a time, and a we're time. gonna have to just. It's gonna be a long you know, one. Hold on tight because it's gonna yep. be crazy. In a grip. Um. All right. So let's just do it because this is truly a long one. So, um, we are gonna be talking about. The story of Dirty John. Dirty John. And this might sound familiar if you, you know, have scrolled through Netflix and seen the Dirty John thing. That's the story. It's the story of Dirty John. And um, the the Netflix series actually is pretty good. I, actually, I think it was on Bravo, like the Bravo series, but they put it on Netflix. Um, and it's actually really close to the actual story. So if you, if you enjoy this story, I recommend watching it because it was kind of fun to watch. Um... Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good show. So, basically, this is the story of Deborah Newell and John Meehan and their toxic, toxic relationship. So, I'm going to start by talking about Deborah. So, Deborah Newell was 59 years old in 2014, and she was a really fancy lady. She had lots of money. She spent decades in the interior design world, building her very successful business, Ambrosia Interior Design. She was very good at what she did. She was highly respected and people loved her. Um, you know, work came really easy to Deborah, but one thing she didn't have as much luck with was men. And <laughs> throughout the years, she had been she had been married and divorced four separate times and four. um had gave birth to four children. Yeah, four four times. Um, Wait, is it one with each husband? I actually don't know, but she has four children and four divorced husbands so wow not a great track record not, i'm not sorry great. Deborah. <laughs> that's what i'm saying she's you know successful but not in that department so not in that department um so yeah she has four children three girls one boy and she was a great mother you know her she had pretty close relationships with all of her children um and you know she, she's a successful woman and she just wants to find a man to share her life with and you know before we go further into deborah's story with john i mean i kind of want to go back in time so we can understand deborah's past a little bit so let's go back to 1984 we're going to rewind Ooh. so deborah had a sister named cindy and she and cindy were um were close and cindy had a husband billy and their relationship wasn't great. Um, they would fight all the time. And in 1984, they were in the process of separating. So one day, they had this really big fight in their kitchen. 
um, about their separation, and Billy ended up shooting Cindy from point blank range in the head. And Holy then shit. he shot himself in the stomach and called the cops. So Cindy didn't survive the attack. I mean, it was no shit yeah um, literally shot her point blank in the face in the head yeah um but billy's wounds weren't that bad and he made it out um he did end up going to trial for the murder of his wife but the weird part of this this uh story is deborah and cindy's mother arlene sided with billy um she defended him what? in court and said that she loved him and that he would never have hurt cindy if he, if he were in his right mind um well obviously he wasn't right and to make matters even worse she even painted cindy in a negative light during the testimony oh my god and the mom was on board too no the the mom did that was what the mom's testimony was oh i thought you were talking about deborah no deborah talking about deborah's mom deborah's mom arlene like sided with billy and like painted her daughter in a negative light so okay could are there quotes from this i don't have any quotes unfortunately but um but yeah that's that's something that actually happened. a mother yeah and siding with your daughter's killer right and because of this billy actually ended up getting a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter manslaughter oh the um, new york is coming out <laughs> for no. the holidays <laughs> yeah. uh, and received a five-year sentence but only ended up serving about two and a half years um and you know this whoa 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 say that again he got a lesser charge of uh voluntary manslaughter received a five-year sentence and only ended up serving two and a half years so my god could you imagine serving two and a half years for killing someone yeah no so that like shooting your shooting your wife point blank in the head but anyway this isn't like part of the dirty john story it just kind of gives a little background on um you know deborah's past and also her mother and how her mother um has no concept of what a good man is <laughs> you know fair enough i was like it sounds like forgiving terrible men runs in the family right yeah i'm not done with the sentence okay we need to take a little 30 second aside for this quick 15 Holy seconds shit. we got a long story ahead of us. voluntary manslaughter yeah like what the, i don't know what the fuck this is crazy what is voluntary manslaughter i have even no mean? idea this okay. is just a you know just a part of the story that I couldn't leave out you know, yeah so you can't. this hugely affected Deborah and this made her into a very nervous person and also was the reason Deborah hated firearms and refused to have one even though you know she was this single woman living by herself with all with the huge success and money and you know people advised her to at least have a gun that way in case she needed to um, you know protect herself she could but she refused so let's go back to the story now. Um, so Deborah's single and ready to mingle, you know? Yeah, she's 59. 59? She's, she's chilling. 59's the new 49, Hell right? yeah. Um, she spends a lot of money and time on her appearance. She had gorgeous blonde hair, designer clothes, Botox, you know, makeup, treatments, like Gucci heels, Cartier bracelets, designer jeans, diamonds, the whole shebang. She's dripping. She's doing it up. Yeah, she's dripping. So... In the fall of 2014, Deborah makes a profile on a dating site for people over 50. And, you know, she had been on a few dates before. Yes, what is Alex? the dating site called? I don't know. It's just, it, it said dating site for people over 50. Um, <laughs> Very so, catchy. Yeah. Um, so she had gone on a few dates before this and the... Ma- <laughs> you're, 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 I'm thinking like 50 and Schwifty. <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> the catchphrase is shit on the floor. I'm yeah. sorry. Any any Rick and, Rick Morty, and Morty fans. people out there. Anyway, um so uh so she had like i said she had been on a few dates but the men you know didn't always chalk up to what they what she thought they'd be they didn't always look like their pictures she didn't find any real spark with anyone so you know she struggled with men and and when she uh actually i take that back i read my notes wrong deborah never struggled with men when she was in her 30s she had a man throw himself onto the hood of her car and beg for a date with her which like wow. okay creepy but like that's something that's, that happened uh, to her. that's some passion that's right some, there that's some like <laughs> like yeah some love at first could, sight bullshit could you like imagine some dude no, flopping under the hood that of is your not car. that's not romantic like, that's fucking creepy hey, john or <laughs> probably not john but like yeah. fucking joe get off the hood on your car like you dented it what, you stupid shit what like lunatic is like this will get me a date just yeah. i'm gonna jump onto her car it probably anyway. went over better in his head yeah probably so <laughs> anyway so now she's 59 she's been married divorced has four grown kids she wanted someone to settle down with and enjoy her success with so she decided to give the dating site one more shot and so yeah, one more this is when she came across a man named john wait Meehan. so she she m&m'd it she's like one shot do not miss your chance do not miss your chance <laughs> yeah so uh John was a strapping, handsome 55-year-old man who had a kind smile, but John, to put it lightly, was a sketchy fuck. So he was practically born into hustling. He grew up with a father that ran a shady casino surrounded by low-level scam artists, and from a very young age, John was jumping in front of cars to help his father pull insurance scams, which was their thing. They would do insurance fraud. They would, you know, he would jump in front of a car and be like, oh, you hit my kid. Or he would bring him into a restaurant and have him like break up glass and chew on it and be like, oh, there was glass in my food. Like crazy scams from a young age. So Damn. John was smart and popular in his youth. And thanks to his father's guidance, he was very, very gifted in the art of manipulation. Wow. Um, Could you imagine like, you know, casually hanging out with your son to have him jump onto cars? <laughs> yeah, it's like child abuse as fuck it's terrible yeah, seriously <laughs> terrible um so it didn't take long before john was busted for dealing drugs and was exiled from california as a plea deal um he wait so you can he was exiled but like not not facing any jail time or i like... think that was the plea deal it was like as long as you fuck off you can chill that's interesting that he's like you can go anywhere else in the u.s but not california you don't it's have like, to go home just just non-cali dude can't, can't surf here, here no dude. more dude yeah so um he bounced from you know one university to the next before landing at the university of dayton school of law where his notorious nickname dirty john was originated and uh you know his friend group began calling him dirty john because he was you know like a fucking shady character yeah, shady with a bunch of lightly. women and they even called him filthy john um because he had the ability to lure any woman into his chaos so during this time john met uh tanya sells and tanya was a nurse in her mid-20s um this is when he was at university of dayton school of law so she was a nurse in her mid-20s yes is he also in his mid-20s in this um he's like 30 okay yeah. but he's in college as a 30 year old he told her he was 26 but he was like 30 something okay but he's posing as a college student yes gotcha yes so um 
uh, before, before long, they were married and had two kids together. Um, their relationship was completely built on lies. Um, like, like I said, even down to his age, he told her that he was 26 when he was actually 31. Um, and she helped support John through nursing school and while earning a license as an, uh, anesthet- anesthetist. It's not an anesthesiologist, but it's like a nurse anesthetist. I don't know. My uncle does that. Oh. And that is how you say it. Hell yeah. We love that. Great job. Thank you. Um, so through this relationship, John was a liar and a cheater, and Tanya soon discovered not only his affairs, but also that John was addicted to painkillers. So... Sure, that's where the anesthetist job really came in handy to get those pills going. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. He would steal meds from the patients that he was supposed to be administering to. So, um, yeah. So through, through their 10 years of marriage, John told Tanya that he had no contact with his family because, um, they were drug addicts and bad people, but Tanya tracked them down when she started to get suspicious of John. Um, and she found out that everything John had told her was a lie, um, even down to his birth name, um, his age and that he had drug charges against him in California. So, Whoa. yeah. Can so, you imagine? This no, is like year like, nine or eight, she finds this out. Or like maybe 10. even year 10. Yeah, like 10 years. The whole decade of a marriage. You don't even know your husband's real lie. name. Like, yeah. not even his name. Not even his name. <laughs> Crazy. I couldn't even imagine. And she did, has two kids with him. Got, did he at least get his first name right? Yeah, I think she... So you knew his first name, you know? Yeah, she knew it was John. Yep. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> That's all you get freaking john anyway so so tanya took it upon herself to search their house and found john's hidden supply of surgical anesthetic drugs um and informed the police who then began an investigation of john in september of 2000 um hospital workers also had reported seeing john bringing a gun into the operating room and stealing demerol that he should have been administering to patients so this led them to stripping John of his license to work as a nurse anesthetist in 2002. The police also searched his house and found a loaded gun and 45 empty containers for six different prescription medications. Wow. Are they all like oxys or something? Yeah, just like a, just a myriad of like drugs. From Great word. Thank you. Um, so John pled guilty to the charges, but instead of turning himself in... He fled the state and checked into a hotel, or a motel rather, in Michigan, where uh, police soon found him unconscious and surrounded by drug vials. The police called an ambulance for his stupid ass, and during the trip to the hospital, he he, uh, woke up, grabbed the drug kit out of the ambulance, and jumped out of it. Whoa. Isn't that some, like, movie shit? Like, this whole story is is like so unbelievable and it like it sounds like a lifetime movie or like a bravo series and it was made into one because this story like shouldn't be real like it's so over the top like from start to finish it is so over the top but it's real this is a real dude reality is better than fiction i know it's crazy so he was then sentenced to up to six years in prison for resisting arrest and possession of drugs, but only ended up serving 17 months and was released in 2004. So, after that, John made his way back to California and made ends meet by scamming others. 
um, one that thing sounds very surprising, right? You know, he just you know stick to what you know, I guess. And <laughs> one thing he specialized in was taking advantage of lonely single women. So, when John made it back to California, he had a quick run-in with a woman in Laguna Beach, who he met in the hospital when she was recovering from brain surgery. Um, oh, what the fuck, dude! Yeah. Come on. He introduced himself as her anesthesiologist. And soon after, they began dating for a short time. Um, And she began feeling really uncomfortable with him um, when he started to suggest that she transfer all of her money into his bank account to, like, quote, hide it from her estranged husband. Um, Yeah, just give me control of all your assets. Yeah, just put all of your money in my account. I swear it's fine. I'll totally protect you from your (laughs) ex-husband, who has made no attempt at getting this money. Right. So then she ended their relationship because she's like, um, what? Smart. So yep, fuck this guy. Yeah. So this led to John sending her threatening messages and sending intimate photos of her to her family. Oh, so, come on, dude. I know. Like low life like scumbag. Like literal extortion. I know. Yeah. So um, this also led to stalking charges. And after violating a restraining order, he was sent to prison again. Bro, he's not even allowed to be in California. I know. At this point. Yeah. So he's a ballsy motherfucker. He is like very ballsy. I don't like he has no shame and just no morals. He is a bad guy. Well, no shit. Yeah. But like how so this is his second time in prison? Or third, yeah. Third? Yeah, just third. In the joint. Yeah. He's he's no Again, stranger. How long did he get this time? Um, he, I don't, it doesn't say, but he, um, and by it, I mean my notes, um, but <laughs> only two days after being released from prison in October of 2014, he stumbled across the beautiful and more importantly, rich Deborah Newell. More importantly, single, more importantly, lonely, more mm-hmm. importantly, looking for the Mr. Right single and ready that John to is going to insert himself as. Correct. So two days out of prison. Two days out of prison. Wow, did he get fucking lucky. I know. And did she get fucking unlucky? Unlucky as all hell. Yeah. So from Deborah's perspective, he checked all of her boxes. He was successful. He was handsome. He was 6'2", hazel, green eyes, nice smile. He was a physician, which made Deborah feel really safe. So they began talking. And... His profile claimed that he was a divorced Christian man who was looking for love and someone to share his life with. So Deborah's like, Fuck Oh, you're yeah. so full of shit. Yeah, Deborah's like, Jackpot. And he's like, <laughs> and John is also like, Jackpot, but for <laughs> very different reasons. Yep. So John sent her pictures. And when, De- also, when Deborah told him what church she went to, he was like, Oh, dude, me too. I also go to that church. And, <laughs> of course. Yeah. And he he said he wanted to meet her kids. And, you know, everything just seemed great. Deborah said that he was different from the other men. He seemed interested in her life and seemed like a really wholesome, grounded man. Um, and mm-hmm. she said he wasn't all about himself. So they really? set a night to get dinner. <laughs> Really? Really. That, those are the things she said about that man. Oof. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, he makes a life in scamming people. So no, he's, he's good he's at very it. very charming. He, he's you know, good. So he 
Uh, so they set a night to make dinner and they met at Deborah's penthouse and they walked down the block to a casual restaurant called Houston's where they found a seat at the bar. And John was just charming the pants off of Deborah, And he told her he served as an uh, anesthesiologist in Iraq and spent uh, several years with Doctors Without Borders in Iraq. Um, Oh, you absolute fucking scum. mm -hmm. You're going to pose to use that story. Right. To charm her. Yeah, so Deborah. I mean, obviously nothing is beneath him, but that's another low absolutely let's keep score right this oh, is God. number one that's that, i mean that's like this that's is probably number, number five yeah. but this is the first one that i'm counting okay i'll i'll leave it up to you to keep track yep. so um we've experienced a new low <laughs> <Da-da-da-da>. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that was too loud okay maybe we'll cut that <laughs> that's okay. um so deborah was immediately impressed um and he told her all of these crazy stories all of which were fake and he said he had some kids and a couple of houses in newport beach and palm springs which obviously sounded very nice to deborah so john starts treating deborah like a queen he praised all of her accomplishments he told her he was so impressed by her and she was the woman he'd been searching for his whole life he said he wanted to meet her family, and even though they had just met, Deborah just ate this shit up. She was <laughs> happy to get the attention and praise, and she was loving it. So the only thing that Deborah noticed was that John was really touchy-feely and a little bit aggressive with like physical contact with her on the first date, but she was happy to get the attention. So after the dinner, she decided to invite John up to her penthouse. Now, this penthouse was like the thing you picture <laughs> when you think like bougie, richy, rich penthouse, like view of the water and lights and just everything like designer things everywhere and paintings and just extravagant shit. So that was Deborah's life. So Deb is just fucking living it up. Deborah is living it up. So this is not her only house either. Oh, no, 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 no. Does she have a fucking yacht? Uh, I didn't mention anything about a yacht, so probably not, but she... Peasant. Yeah, what a plebe. God damn. Total plebe, Total plebe. Um, so, um, so they go up to the penthouse and this is when John really turned up the heat and was pushing for more. Um, but Deborah wasn't the type to give it all away on the first date and decided she had had enough for the evening and asked John to leave. Um, and like the true bitch baby he is, John got all pissed off and huffy and, you know, whatever, and marched his huffy. angry ass out of her home. Yeah, huffy, like he's huffing. He marched his huffy ass out. He you huffed know? and puffed and... Yeah, he huffed and puffed and blew the penthouse blooms. down. <laughs> um, so, uh... So, you know, he, he makes this whole scene because Deborah doesn't want to sleep with him on the first date. And she's really bummed. She's like, I thought I met this great guy. And then the ending of the night left just a really bad taste in her mouth. Yep, this true Christian man who wanted to fuck yeah, on the first date. Right. Just, just you know, God-fearing. Couldn't take no for an answer. So, uh, Physician, careering. Yes. Non-liar. Correct. <laughs> right. All of those things that he is. Um, and she decided to chalk it up to just another shitty guy. Um, and after that night, John began calling her just nonstop and, you know, apologized profusely. And he told her that he had drank too much and he wanted to give, or he wanted a second chance. Mm -hmm. So she did. And 
after this, their relationship progressed insanely fast. So after only a few weeks, they had spent a ton of time together and John told Deborah he wanted to spend every waking moment with her. And by the third date, John had told Deborah that he was in love with her uh, and that he wanted to marry her. This is three dates. Three dates. Three dates. Marry me. I love you. Marry me. I've spent four, possibly five hours of my time with you, and I just can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine my life without the you. The rest of my fucking life without oh, you. Oh, God. Um, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, so three dates. Um, so Deborah was really wooed by all of this. Oh, and she was wooing. She loved the attention, Deborah. She and got wooed. The two of them were definitely in their honeymoon stage and just really just living in the whole experience of the honeymoon stage. So just feeling it. Just living. So um Deborah was caught up in it. Uh and she just didn't really notice or she, you know, she she noticed a few weird things, but she kind of just let them slide. But for instance, he would wear scrubs everywhere. Everywhere. And it was not everywhere. like yes. <laughs> and he he they were like the same pair of like blue like dirty scrubs and he would wear them every day anywhere they went and you know if we would think back to how i described deborah she's dressed head to toe in designer shit she's got like hair blown to the gods and you know makeup done up she's she's stunning yep this this john is not yeah, I was going to call him a scrub, but he's wearing scrubs. So that's scrubby scrub. Wearing scrubs. Anyway, um so he would wear scrubs everywhere. And uh uh Yeah, so they were like nasty on the bottom and uh they were just dirty. And but they were uh, yeah, I bet they were from Iraq. Yeah, almost, almost like they were his only clothes, you know? Yeah, and, a little which, bit. I mean, they kind of were his only clothes. So um, a couple of weeks in, Deborah invited him to this really fancy charity event that she was attending, and he showed up to the charity event in, in his ratty scrubs. Um, so Deborah's dressed in like a gown, and everyone's like fancy. It's a charity event. So this is like full suits and dresses. Full, full black tie or white tie. What's the most fancy? I don't know. I'm a plebe, but yeah, he whatever. shows up in ratty scrubs. And he claimed that he was just too busy to change out of them. And it was fine because her friends would be impressed that he's a doctor. And Deborah's like, that makes sense to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes. What is the, that makes me think of the Book of Mormon lines. Like, that makes that perfect makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. So she's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Was and then, anyone impressed? No. They were all like, what the fuck is with this dude wearing dirty it's scrubs like, dude, to this charity can't. event? Bring a suit in your car. Yeah, that's and just what I'm saying. Like, the you can change in the, change in the bathroom. bathroom. Like, what are you crazy? Yeah. Anyway, so she was proud to show him off. Anyway, so it whatever. She's blinded by her love. Um, <laughs> her two weeks of knowing this man, she's yeah, in love with was, him. There's a lot of so, passion. The yeah. fire was burning. Right. So one of Deborah's daughters, Jacqueline, was 24 at the time and was also living with her mother in this penthouse. And Jacqueline had no problem speaking her mind and was immediately skeptical of John and noticed how nasty yes, this dude was. She, she's just like, this dude is nasty. It's like, Jacqueline knows. Oh, yeah. Jacqueline knows. 
Yep. And she was really surprised that her mom would be with someone she said looked like a homeless loser. Um, she also said that he was just overall sketchy. He was always in their penthouse and would just look at everything. Like all the fancy artwork they had, all the designer things. He almost seemed like he was casing the place. He was casing it. Right. and Wouldn't put it past him. Right. And Deborah also had a safe in the penthouse in her closet where she would keep her designer things, like her, her bags and, you know, whatever. And Jacqueline didn't like that John was so interested in the safe in her closet. It's like, what do you want with her bags? Like, why are you yeah. staring at these bags? You're going you're gonna to use them? Right. going to wear them out? Right. So. Or are you going to sell them? yeah john that's right. john you're gonna sell him yeah she's just... a little entrepreneurial <laughs> right she just saw right through his fucking charade you know, yeah his whatever and she made it very clear to her mother that she wanted absolutely nothing to do with him um and this wasn't too far off for deborah though because jacqueline never really liked any man she brought home and she just figured that this was the same shit you know she's oh she fucking cried wolf she cried wolf she was like you know jacqueline never likes any man so this man is different and i love him so whatever um in november of 2014 um and i have in parentheses remember they met in october and it's november now uh, so, John... Can we, can we get a time passage measurement here? Five weeks, six October weeks? October 8th, and now it's November. Like, beginning of November. Oh, so it might not even be a full month. Right. So, John convinced Deborah that they needed to live somewhere else because he and Jacqueline couldn't be in the same place, and they were already discussing moving in together anyway. Whoa, whoa. Jacqueline's living with them? Yeah, because Deborah lives in the penthouse, and Jacqueline also lives in the penthouse. And at this point... John doesn't technically live with them, but he's there all the time. So he's like, if you want to keep the peace, we need to live somewhere else. Oh, so I didn't know that, like, literally Jacqueline shares a penthouse with her. Mm -hmm. Or is it, is it kind of like she has, it's like big enough to where she kind of has her own space or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just lives with her mom. She's 24. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah he's like we're gonna move in together we, we've been we've been discussing moving in together anyway and it would just be more peaceful if we weren't with Jacqueline so Deborah again is like that makes perfect sense let and me isolate myself from my closest <laughs> right, friends let me let this man take more control over my life and so Deborah ended up renting a house for six thousand five hundred dollars a month on the boardwalk of Balboa Island in Newport Beach. And not only did was the you know, it's it it's six thousand five hundred dollars a month, but she paid for everything up front because it would slightly discount the price. So she shelled out eighty thousand dollars on the spot for this like for the year, I think, in this house. So Deborah is not fucking around. No. She is Balling. Oh no, Deborah is cashing out. Balling. Yeah. Yeah. So price tag doesn't matter. Price tag never met her. Never Who met cares? her. Um, Wait. So, so I'm assuming that she wrote a check. She didn't actually bring cash. I don't know. That would have been quite a sight. Yeah. Like a, 80k. Yeah, 80k. Shit. This like <laughs> Gucci. Quote. I'm just trying to picture it. Mm-hmm. It'd be quite the sight. Hell yeah. So John claimed he couldn't put his name on the lease because he was dealing with tax problems. But oh yeah, also like what, 
um, banning from state problems. Right. So, but, you know, Deborah didn't really think she anything of this. It. Yeah, didn't really mind. Yep, so, nothing to see here. No, she has all the money in the world. She doesn't give a shit. So she did all of this without letting her family know because they would have been pissed, and rightfully so, because mm-hmm. holy shit. But, you know, she didn't understand why, because John was treating her like a queen. He would have... Or he made her coffee in the morning. He went grocery shopping for her. He would take her Tesla (laughs) and Range Rover for maintenance when they needed it. He wanted to make her life as easy as possible. But keep in mind that all of these things he's doing are on, you know, mommy's coin. He's he's, mommy's coin. He's using Deborah's cards. So she is. He is. um, She's a sugar mama. Yes, one hundred thousand percent. And Deborah just convinced herself that she had hit the jackpot, and you know, with time, her children would come around and see how great John actually was. Um, Deborah thought she might have better luck with her other daughter Tara, or Tara. It's spelled weird, but um, how is it spelled? T e r r a, Tara. Like terraform. Yeah, I don't know. Let's say Tara. Um, because <laughs> she, she thought she might have a better uh, chance with Tara because she was, you know, sweet and wasn't nearly as judgmental or confrontational as Jacqueline. Um, so Tara lived in Las Vegas with her boyfriend, Jimmy, and she was studying to become a dog groomer. Um, Tara, although less abrasive than Jacqueline, was still protective of her mother. Um, and, you know, she had seen her mother screamed at, hit, and taken advantage of by really shitty men. Um, and when she told Tara about her relationship with John and how fast it was moving, Tara said she was skeptical, but, you know, wanted to meet John. So she and Jimmy drove down from Las Vegas to come meet him. Sure. And as soon as she and her boyfriend got there, she said that John was instantly mean and standoffish toward them. He would cut her questions short and he barely even made eye contact with her. He clearly had no, like, no interest in meeting her or talking to her at all. Um, And this was during the time that they were in the process of moving into their new place. And so he was just completely uninterested in meeting her and just trying to act very macho. He wouldn't even let anyone help him move in Deborah's queen mattress. He had to do that all by himself because he's so strong. All right. But like even just logically from his standpoint, this is a terrible move. Absolutely. This is a terrible move on his part. He should just like deal with them for the like, how long were they going to stay? A weekend? Yeah. Like just a couple days. Be normal. Just play cool. You know, you, you're great at that, actually. You're great at acting, right? Yeah. Do that, and then send them off. Wow. And then blame it on uh, the other sister. Jacqueline. She's, Jacqueline's fucking crazy. Yeah, well, that would have been... Dumbass. Smarter, I guess, but, you know... Okay, I'm glad you went down eventually, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. Um, so, um, another thing Tara found weird was that John didn't have a car, and... She was like, what fucking doctor doesn't have a car? You know, he's claiming to be this doctor. He has all these houses, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't even have a car. So he also claimed that he had these houses in Newport Beach, like I said, but never offered for them to go there or even visit. He also never even showed any pictures of these places, um, almost as if they never existed at all. Wow. Wow. Crazy concept right. from John. Right. So... After a little time there, Tara saw that her mother paid for every single thing and John spent most of his day on the couch playing video games when he was supposed to be working. Um, 
and Tara and her boyfriend were staying in a spare room, and it did not take long for her to figure out that John also lived there. So she started getting really suspicious of John because she thought, you know, what kind of doctor doesn't even contribute to anything in a relationship? Yeah, any of the... Anything at all. Cost. Right. So that's when she started to go through John's stuff and found a nursing certificate and confronted John and her mother. Um, he said that he called himself doctor because he had a PhD and an advanced training in uh, anesthesiology uh, to explain away why he calls himself doctor, like I just said. But when he realized that Tara had been going through his shit, he freaked out and got really aggressive and started screaming at her and accused her of trying to break them up and basically said that kids should be smacked for things like this. And Even when they're in their 20s? Right. Yeah, so Tara turns to her mother and is like, how could you let this guy talk to me like this? And Deborah just stood there. So She didn't do anything? Nope, she just stood there, didn't even say a thing. So Tara left the situation really shaken and feeling sick, sick that her mother chose John over her. So... John used this this situation to his advantage and began telling Deborah that her kids were just jealous and they didn't want her to be happy and all they wanted was for her to die so they could inherit all of her money. Wow. And, you know, she kind of started to believe him because he's like a manipulative, like, you know, smooth talking guy. So, oh, so he's convincing her that her kids want her to fucking die so yeah. they can get inheritance. Yeah, is this a new low? Yeah, they're like, I'm considering they don't want this you to be a new happy. low. Yeah, this is number two. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so um, the next day was Thanksgiving, um, and the room was tense. Um, also, it was impossible to ignore the fact that Tara wasn't there, um, but Deborah's mother, Arlene finally got to meet john um okay arlene is going to fall head over yeah, heels arlene, for this dude the same arlene who defended her daughter's murderer so yeah arlene uh loved him because so she's very religious um so john of course put on a, the whole man of god act around her and not surprisingly she also ate that shit up and she loved him so jacqueline um, was also at this Thanksgiving dinner and John tried to like pull her aside to talk to her, but she screamed in his face that he was the devil and anything he had to say to her could be said in front of everyone. Um, and you know, this was just more evidence for John to prove to Deborah that her kids were spoiled and out of control. So after this, Deborah got a therapist to try to work through the issues with her daughters. Um, and the therapist basically told her that if she loved John, the other stuff shouldn't matter. Which, I mean, I guess if you're in, like, a normal relationship, maybe that's true. But, like, this therapist... Yeah, maybe this the therapist, therapist should have asked a few more questions. Yeah, this therapist did not even know the half of it. So, but that's what she told her. So, Deborah and John go back to their normal, just enjoying each other. And uh, Deborah even got John a completely new wardrobe. Um, he had... <laughs> she's like, for the love yeah. of God, change out of your ugly, ratty ass scrubs, yep. you piece of shit. Yeah. So uh, he had claimed that all of his nice clothes had been stolen in Iraq, which is why he was always oh, wearing raggedy shit. My so God. Deborah took it so upon I herself. So I was right. Yeah. He was wearing scrubs from Iraq. 
he never went to Iraq. <laughs> well, I know, but that was his story. <laughs> yes. Or he was wearing scrubs because he's a doctor and that's his uniform. No, no, because no, all of his other clothes got stolen in Iraq. Right. All right, whatever. Right. You get it. Oh. Vroom. Vroom, vroom. Um, so, yeah, so Deborah took it upon herself to get him all new lavish stuff to match her appearance. Lavish? You know, des- designer. Lavish. Yeah, what brand? What are we talking? Are we talking Gucci? Know, probably. Vineyard Vines? Is that designer? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think Just throwing it is. shit out there. Abercrombie? Yeah. <laughs> Fitch? Friggin' Gap? Gap, anyway. dude. Uh, Our champion <laughs> from Walmart. Right. Um, in early December, John joined Deborah on a business trip to Las Vegas. And what do people do in Vegas? They fucking gamble, baby. Let's play they some gamble, slots. They gamble, but what do irresponsible no that's oh that's, that's, they get married that's not too harsh maybe tie the knot not everyone who gets married in vegas is irresponsible but, but this was everyone irresponsible. who's irresponsible seems to get oh, married in vegas good point so bang 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 okay bang 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 you got if em. you're getting married in vegas question yourself for a second <laughs> so they got drunk and got married yeah um, if you're drunk getting married in vegas i can almost guarantee you that that is a bad decision. Right. I, I take that back because almost everybody is drunk at their wedding. However, <laughs> if the decision comes after you started drinking, mm. that's a bad call. Sure. Let me, there we go. Sure. Uh, and I just want to put it out there that they had known each other for less than two months. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Classic mm-hmm. honeymoon phase caught up in the moment. Crazy. Man. Crazy. So. Oh, fuck. Now John's going to get half of her shit. Yeah, so she hasn't told her children about them getting married. Um, And at this point, Christmas was only a couple weeks away, so she knew that they were going to find out soon. Um, And the plan was for the whole family to celebrate at Deborah's oldest daughter's house, uh, Nicole. So when... Wait. What? So Nicole doesn't even know. Nicole knows that she's dating John. But she doesn't know that he's they're married and no like, none of them do deborah is planning their wedding celebration at someone's house who doesn't even know that no, it's christmas. happened christmas oh christmas, christmas okay yeah which is why i chose this story because christmas. the holiday season the holiday season i'm wearing my santa gear and ugly sweater you are so i forgot to mention i was that. hype about this you're doing great i have like a little i don't know knickknack on my microphone yes I love it. Yes. Holiday spirit. But anyway, Let's go. so Christmas. Christmas time. Um, so Christmas at Nicole's house. Um, when Jacqueline found out that Deborah was going to bring John, she refused to go. Um, yep, a girl. Just and, boycott. Right. And so Tara also said she didn't want to go because if Jacqueline wasn't going to be there, she didn't want to be there. Oh, um, come on. Don't be, don't let that be a reason. Be well, like just, John's her, a dickhead. Her reason was also John, but, um... But Deborah wanted at least Tara to be there, so she decided to bring her to therapy to work through this. So Tara was really concerned about John being around all the kids, um, but they came to the conclusion that Tara would go to Christmas um, and she would just stay away from John, and uh, John would stay away from the kids. So that was their compromise. Um, So Christmas rolls around, and John rolls up, with a ton of gifts for all the little kitties that Deborah bought, of course, but John has them. And, you know, this really upset Tara because she felt that 
you know, he was just trying to win everyone over and people would, wouldn't see who he really was. And also, she, like, blatantly asked her mother to, like, keep John away from the kids. And, you know, he just comes yeah. in with all these gifts and she's like, what the fuck? So... I don't know in what world... Like, how many people are going to be there? 10, 12? Like, in what world you're just not going to interact with her children? Well, I mean... Especially, like, anyone who's at that party could just be like, oh, and just start playing with them. Well, for Especially sure. Especially if but he's the, a wooer. Well, you yes. You know, he's a schmoozer. And but, that's what he fucking does. Yes, but the, like, the... I feel like the betrayal aspect of it was, like, he came in with like a sack full of gifts like santa you know so it's um, like it's like okay all the kitties come running like it's right. it's not like casual interaction it's like oh all the kids come to me right now because i'm santa you know right yeah. yeah and also guess whose money those deborah. Were bought with yeah deborah. subsidized by deborah right so uh question yes so does she have a husband like in all this who um tara she's a boyfriend she's a boyfriend Jimmy. oh okay so like the, she has had these children with the boyfriend like what's his no they're not there it's nicole's kids i think oh okay yeah not not Terrence. yeah i'm just kind of like wondering like is there a no, husband or boyfriend her, in the picture it's just her family she's protective of them and she's like no i, I like totally John. get it but yeah. like if i was the husband i yeah. would be like i'd be on top of this shit oh for sure yeah, yeah. but you know she's that's yeah so anyway um so tara left crying and her grandmother arlaine chases after her and she's like what's wrong and she's like she just told her that she hated john and she didn't trust him and she left and the night kind of just ended there so tara and her boyfriend went back to vegas and she pretty much just stopped talking to her mom completely um jacqueline was determined to break her mother up with uh break her and her mother up from John. Hello. Does that make sense? Um, break, you, you understand, break them up. Um, break them up. And so she decides to do a little digging. So one thing she noticed was that John always had dirty hands, like dirt underneath his fingernails, kind of dirty hands and just like general Ooh. griminess. So she thought it's this like was grimy John. Yeah. So she thought this was really weird since good old John claims he was a doctor and this bitch has dirt under his nails yeah like you should be washing your hands all the time for Hell all the yeah. surgeries you're right quote unquote in yeah all the patients you're treating right so it's like just infection city dude. right so now Bud. she's now she's questioning if he's working at all um and right. so she also received a bunch of texts from her mom that were you know misspelled or had weird slang or whatever and she just she knew they weren't from her mom right um so, and they were also texts complaining about money that had gone missing from her wallet. So, just weird. Um, what? So, John is texting her about... Accusing what? her of stealing money. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, she decides that she's going to figure out what the fuck is going on. And so, um, John had been using Deborah's Tesla pretty much every day. Um, so she decided to put a tracker on the car so she and could see a girl. what John was up to all day. Um, so she went PI on his ass. Oh, hell yeah. She's not fucking hell around. yeah. Yeah. So John told Deborah that he was working at a ton of different clinics across the area. Um, and he was just called in when he was needed. So 
when Jacqueline got the tracking information back, it did show John going to a few clinics and hospitals around the area, but it also showed him stopping at a warehouse, the post office, and a couple of fast food places, which really wasn't super out of the ordinary, so it wasn't anything concrete. You know, she's like, this right. is weird, but like, he's he's where he says he is, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can't really pin him on the fast food, you know? The no, warehouse is the only sketchy yeah. thing. Right, so... It's like this motherfucker eats. He goes to McDonald's. Yeah. In my Shady. mother's Tesla. Shady. <laughs> um, so now John and Deborah had been going to church together. And one morning after church, they come home to find a woman with soaking wet hair dressed in Deborah's clothes standing in the middle of their living room. Um, and Deborah obviously freaked out, but John sprung into action and he, you know, he charged at the woman and slammed her head into the counter and put her hands behind her back and they called the police and, um, he, they took her away and, you know, Deborah decided not to press charges since she believed she was probably just a homeless woman who wandered in. But this whole ordeal was really strange and police later believed that John actually set this up. Um, so that he could scare Deborah into, uh, you know, further manipulation. So, um, yeah, it was just a little too convenient. Right. So after this, he convinced her to up their security in the house. So now he has a bunch of security cameras in oh, the house that he sorry, controlled. Back up. Back up. What? So like he smashed her head into like a counter or something. Yeah, he beat up this woman and like called the police. Okay, he's six two. Yeah. Was that really necessary? No, he's putting on a show. I know. So that's why I'm saying it's like further evidence that this is a show. Like he, it seems like he could obviously just control that woman and just like, if if you were like a sane person, you would just like, I don't know, pin her down. Yeah. Which is why the police were like, Instead oh, assaulting her. Right. So that's why they were like, oh, he probably set that up. Also, the girl who like agreed to this shit probably did not agree to get bashed. Well, who knows really? But, Ugh. um, so... Yeah, so now, uh, after this, he convinces Deborah to put a security system in her house. So there's a bunch of security cameras in the house that he controlled and viewed from his phone. Oh, so, no shit. And today's episode is sponsored by Simply Safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love if we were sponsored. Um, but anyway, um, so he also put a camera in Deborah's office so Ooh. he could keep an eye on her. Did she know that? Yes. This bitch is whipped. What the fuck? She, I don't know how. She's like, yeah, keep an eye on me, daddy. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Gross. Anyway, um, so after some time, (laughs) Deborah finally starts to get a little suspicious of John. Um, You know. (laughs) At what point? At what point? Well. What was the the straw? Yeah. What was the straw that (laughs) broke the the camel's back? Um, so, you know, she just had more and more questions for John that he wouldn't answer. You know, he barely told her anything about his life, just like he did to Tanya. Um, and she... Tanya? John's ex-wife. Oh, okay. Um, and he wanted to know, or she wanted to know what his parents were like, what his childhood was like. Um, she also started to wonder what the fuck he did all day, and more specifically, where he was working. Because he would come home with like stacks of cash and he would tell her that he did a quick anest uh and anest hello anesthesiologist job yeah um that paid him in cash 
Oh, that's bullshit. They do not pay in cash, they pay period. Cash, period. End of sentence. They do not. So, Every, like, even, like, I can't think of any business that still pays their workers in no cash. One. But his, so his explanation for this was that he was working with uninsured patients that had to pay him in cash. Yeah. Which is not Quote, unquote, true. Patients. This motherfucker is selling drugs. Yes. So one day she uh, watched back some of the security footage and saw that John had left for work that morning in his scrubs and then quickly returned and went back to sleep. Um, like he pretended to go to work. Um, if Deborah ever questioned him, he would always have some excuse. And in that specific moment, he said that his patient canceled on him. So he came back home and slept. He always had an answer. He was very quick. You know, he's, he's, he probably had it planned out. He's a scammer. He's a scammer. So, uh, and Deborah just decided to ignore all of these red flags. So remember, John said he worked for Doctors Without Borders in Iraq. Um, and you know, he was covered in scars and had a story for each one, which honestly is kind of impressive how inventive he was, but I mean, that's beside the point. Um, but he said, um, because of this, he had a really bad back and occasionally, occasionally took oxy for it. Um, he would also inject himself with something, I think potentially testosterone, I don't know, um, which he said was because he had bad kidneys. Um... Bitch, what? Yeah. You're so, taking testosterone for your kidneys? It might, not, it might not have been testosterone, but I know he does have that at one point, and it's later on in the story, so. So he's testosteroning? I mean, he's injecting himself with something for his bad kidneys. So mm. um, uh, so if we remember back to Deborah's sister, Cindy, who was murdered, um, she had a son named Shad, which is oh my god shad shad dude shad dude um and shad was wait kind okay of... so shad is the fourth kid i think so so we have tara jacqueline nicole nicole shad. and shad shad did shad um so shad was kind of like a, a fourth or like a son to deborah um and at first was he like a son or actually her son he was cindy's son oh okay so so it's her nephew. Yes, but because, you know, Cindy right, died. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's kind of like a son. So um, at first, he didn't mind John. Um, and But after a while, he started asking, you know, the same questions as everyone else. Um, so one day, he, John, and Deborah are in their kitchen making margaritas, and Jacqueline's name comes up. Um, and John goes on to say that he would take her out from a thousand yards away. <laughs> Oh, casually. Yeah. He's casual like, I'd comment? take her out. And Deborah started laughing. Like, what the fuck? Deb. Deb. Baby. Don't laugh really? at that. Yeah, laughing at the murder of your children right. from a thousand yards out. Yeah. Shad said Deborah wasn't taking the comment seriously, but it caught him really off guard. So he goes to Jacqueline and Tara about this, and they let him know that they actually have already hired a private investigator to look into John. So. Soon after that, uh, their PI brought them back some really telling information on John. They found out that John had filed for bankruptcy. He had only a nursing license. He had addresses in Ohio, Arizona, Indiana, Tennessee, and multiple across California, including one nearby in a trailer park in the desert of Riverdale, uh, Riverdale hello, Riverside County. Hmm. Um, so Shad called the trailer park, and the woman who answered 
revealed that she was actually uh, in a relationship with John. And then one day he just disappeared. Um, They also received a possible link between John and the Orange County Jail, but they didn't tell Deborah about this right away because they didn't know for sure that it was him. So uh, Shad is still really concerned for Deborah and calls her and expressed his concern um, and said he had already lost one mom and he didn't want to lose another one. Um, Shad then asked Deborah what if he could prove that instead of being in Iraq, John had been to jail. And Deborah's response was, even if it's true, I wouldn't care because I love him. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And I promise this is like actually a... fallen beyond anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after this, um, Deborah decides to take this information to John. So John, who thought he had a good relationship with Shad, was fucking pissed to find out what had been going on and declared Shad an enemy. And he was so pissed, he texted Shad that if he tried to interfere with his relationship again, he would call the police. He also said, please, yeah, please call it. the police. Do it, bitch. I dare you. Um, he also said nasty things about Shad's girlfriend and threatened him. So Shad Nasty kept, things? Yeah. So I think he was like really threatening and, you know. Was he like threatening his girlfriend? I don't know what he said about his girlfriend, but he was saying nasty things. He might have, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But Par for the course for John. Right. So Shad kept his distance after this. Moving right along. So late March, Deborah receives a letter addressed to John in the mail, but he wasn't home. So she decided to open it. So this letter was from a former inmate, and when Deborah started reading it, John miraculously came out of nowhere and snatched the letter out of her hands, almost as if he was watching her. So he got super defensive and mad that she had been reading his mail and made up some bullshit excuse that he had a prison pen pal. So, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm a good guy. I have a prison pen pal. I, I, I'm helping the community. Shut up. I'm mentoring. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, whatever, dude. But something about this didn't sit right with Deborah. Really, this is... Finally. Finally. <laughs> finally. Um, and she decided to start digging through his stuff. She found evidence that he was a former nurse and anesthetist who became hooked on painkillers and was arrested for it. He was a con man from 2005 to 2014, Court records that John had uh, seduced and conned and terrorized many women before her. Many of these women he had met while posing as a doctor on dating sites. Um, And according to court records, she had found out that another woman had accused John of trying to steal her money. Um, And that same woman was the woman I mentioned earlier who had the brain surgery. So um deborah also found that the police had investigated john for a long time and when they searched a storage unit of his they found a handgun uh ammunition binoculars gps units heavy duty cable ties syringes a pocket saw a bottle of cyanide and eight cyanide capsules whoa so like he is ready to he is locked and loaded yeah yeah so deborah was concerned oh she was concerned Deborah was concerned she was a bit concerned yeah um now he's not just a sketchy asshole he's looking like he's a dangerous asshole so 
She also found out that while John was in jail awaiting trial, he offered inmates $10,000 per murder to kill two detectives on his case, as well as five witnesses. Oh, so he's murdering, or he's trying to hire people. He's trying to hire, like, hits, on, or get hits on people. Um, and she found out that in 2014, he pled guilty to stalking that woman in Laguna Beach, uh, and that three women had standing restraining orders against him, and three more were in the process of getting them. Whoa. 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 Yeah. Yeah, is this the straw? Or perhaps the tree trunk you that breaks think, the camel's back? You would really think that this would be the thing that, that no. stopped Deborah. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Deb. So. Deb, come on. She also saw. <laughs> come on, Deb. There's more. No, no, no. There's more. All right, she, Billy Mays. She also. <laughs> but wait, there's more. She saw that he was released from prison on October 8th only two days before meeting her. Uh, and that he was called Dirty John. <laughs> so. You know what? Everything else was fine. The fact that they call him Dirty John. Too much. That's it. That is the final straw. Yep. So I don't date dirty men. Right. So, well, <laughs> she does because he's literally dirty, like grimy dirty, and she was fine with it. So anyway, now she's terrified for her life and for the lives of her children. Um, and he doesn't cut his fingernails. And she now saw that her family <laughs> was right. Um, and the first thing she does is call her therapist and ask for anxiety, anti-anxiety meds because fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, she's like, can I please have some anti-anxiety medication? I need some shit. <laughs> please. Um, she then calls her lawyer who advises her to cut John out of her will because the fucker had already made his way into her will crazy um and she decided it was best to keep everything she discovered quiet from john um yep good call good call finally good call, Deb. um a few days later john admitted himself to the hospital for back issues so he could get more drugs um so deborah took full advantage of this situation and gets her shit out of that rental house um and while they were moving out they found more sketchy shit including uh gun names codes and inmate inmate numbers a stash of bank routing numbers um and printouts of other uh, of things other women had written about john on a website called datingpsychos.com wow he he had printed out things that women had said about him on a website called dating psychos and these are some of the things that the women wrote uh, he conned me out of money, slick liar, very persuasive, he's a parasite, leech, infection, don't be fooled by his good looks and prince charming personality, he grabbed me by the throat, and classic psychopath. So, wow, these are all things that he printed out, like he's proud of them. Yeah, so, well, you know, I don't care because I love him. Right. <laughs> Daddy, I love him! Um, <laughs> so, Deborah convinced... So Deborah's now convinced and thinks it's time to tell John she's leaving him. Um, and John was pissed and started freaking out, saying he's going to get half of her wealth and didn't even try to smooth anything over and started threatening her life and telling her that he had family in the mob that could take care of her and uh, just a bunch more. And he said to split up all of her stuff um, and give him half of it, and she wouldn't see him again after that. So, 
bitch. You are not getting half my shit. Right. So the private investigator told Deborah to switch up her look as much as she could um, and change hotel rooms every couple of days. Um, and she was taught how to, like, survey a room before she, you know, entered to be very aware of her surroundings and to wear bland clothes and blend in. Like, she like was... Like, survey for, like, surveillance like equipment? Oh, no, like, for, for, for people gonna attack her. You know, she he, he's now threatened her with, like, the mob and shit. So she's mm-hmm. like... I'm not safe. So, um, John is nonstop texting her and begging her to come visit him. And for some reason, Deborah visits him because she said she felt guilty about abandoning him. Oof. Deborah. Deborah, Deborah, Deborah. Deborah, 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 So. No, 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 no. Yeah. So fast, no, no. So fast forward to June of 2015. John has put in some major manipulation work and pretty much won Deborah back. He made up stories for everything Deborah had found and basically painted himself as the victim um, and said he hid his past because he knew she would never date a con man. She would never give a con man a chance. And he pretended to be a doctor to impress her and blamed everything on his drug addiction and took the route of help me get clean, fix me, I can be better for you, blah, 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 blah. So. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, you can't. Oh, and here, it's not over, is it? No, 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 no. So, she did. She did. She took him back. And they moved into a new apartment together in Irvine. Did she pay up front again? I don't know if she paid up front, but she's still paying for it. She's still mommy with the money, you know what I mean? So, her family was like, nope. And they just kept their distance. They were like, okay. Because, honestly, at this point, like, what do you what do you even say you'd be like you know what you're doing yeah so but, you know they just kept their distance because free you're your own person but right you are fucking up clearly just disappointed yeah just, i'm mad <laughs> just fucking disappointed so march of 2016 they had been married for about a year and a half um and Deborah's still suspicious and uncomfy that her whole family hated him and the tension between her and her kids only worsened and it got to the point where John didn't even allow Deborah to see her kids specifically Jacqueline like how could you can't if if you if you if you if the words like my partner doesn't allow me to do something especially see my kids what the fuck like, yeah. what relationship are you in? Honey. You, they, I'm sorry. My, my boyfriend doesn't allow me. I'm sorry. My husband doesn't allow me to do that. Um, what? <laughs> Does your you husband own you? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. But anyway, so he didn't allow her to see her kids, specifically Jacqueline. So one day, Deborah tried to sneak off to see Jacqueline. And he said that if he ever caught her trying to do that again, he'd throw Jacqueline into the ocean. All right, this is clearly a new low. This is number three. <laughs> number, this is only three? Oh, okay, for sure. Well, okay, um, I'm so... trying to, like, make it count for something. Sure, but, sure, like, sure, sure. this is clearly a new low, threatening He's your, done partner's, this before. Your, your partner's kid's life because you visited her. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's already said that he could take Jacqueline out from a thousand yards away. But anyway. Okay, but I feel like in that situation, he could have been like, I was, I joking. was joking. Yeah. Take a joke. But, like, he's fully serious at oh, this yeah. point. Like, there's no hiding. He's no, not no, even no. trying to, like... Yeah. So, 
John found out that Deborah was paying for Jacqueline's real estate classes and he went insane. He made Deborah stop and called the school and told them terrible things about Jacqueline and texted her super threatening things. He told her that he wanted to kill her and that if she jumped off a tall building, he would smile. So, wow. All that fun stuff. So things were whack. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would have to say... If I had to use one word to describe how things were, I'd say whack. Whack. <laughs> so, March of 2016, Deborah. Like, okay, so, like, is the school not giving, getting involved? They're like, oh, this is a great guy. I What's the school doing? No, they're. I mean, they're just hearing terrible things about, you know, one of their students. They're not really doing anything. They're just like, what the fuck? I don't know what happened with that, but he did that. He, like, okay. slandered her. But at this point, he's threatened her life. Yeah. Correct. Are the police contacted? Mm, not, I don't, I don't think, like, yet. Like, if I'm Jacqueline, I'm getting a restraining order. Well, I mean, she time. already had, like, a personal investigator. She had told, you know, people about it. So, I, I don't know. But anyway, um, March of 2016, Deborah was really scared and filed to annul her marriage. So, she's finally like, all right, this is enough. Um, and she started to withdraw money out of her bank account slowly so that John wouldn't notice. Um, and she also had $30,000 in cash stashed in her bottom drawer, which John found and then confronted her about it. And when she said that it was just her money, why does he care? He said that everything that yours that's yours is mine and acted very threatening. So, uh, he had caught, he had caught on that she was trying to leave him. And Deborah grabbed a few things and just got herself out of that apartment before he hurt her because that was where it was at. He was like seconds away from like very much hurting her. So she was like, I'm going to grab a few things. I'm going to leave. Thank God she got out. Yeah. So after that, she left and moved into Jacqueline's apartment, which felt safe because the building had a ton of security cameras um, and, you know, security on duty. So they were hiding out. And John is still sending very threatening messages, and Deborah tried to file for a restraining order, but it's actually really hard to get one, so she couldn't get one at the time, because there was no imminent threat. So what? She threatened her daughter's life. Don't they have the text messages? I don't know if they have those, but, um, but they didn't have enough. So I think what happened was John moved and started to live in one of Deborah's houses in Nevada, I believe. And so because oh, he was, so he's still leeching off. So of her. yes. So because he was out of the state, he was not an imminent threat. So she couldn't get a restraining order. It's almost as if he can't come back. Yeah. So no travel can't happen. Right. I so think that's just not possible. Yeah. So she would ignore his calls and his messages and just tried to cut him out as best as she could. Um, so one day while Deborah's at work, her car was stolen from the parking lot. And they had security cameras at the place where she worked, and they saw John stealing her car. Um, and it was found just a couple blocks away, doused in kerosene and lit on fire. Oh, was it um, Tesla? I don't know. But that would be a damn shame, damn. wouldn't it? <laughs> I hope it wasn't a Tesla. Yeah. It's a Tesla or a Range Rover. Take your pick. So. Yeah, seriously. So um, he, he stole her car and set on fire. What does he gain from that? He's just mad. He's angry. He's angry. <laughs> Baby Angie. So um, even with all of this proof of his crazy, the Irvine police decided not to charge him after that. 
fucking incompetent idiots. What yeah. are you talking about? He set her car on fire. I don't know. And if there was an argument, there wasn't an imminent threat. Like, obviously there is now. Yep. Jacqueline also saw John outside of her apartment building and tried to follow him, but lost the car. Um, so August 20th, 2016 is our main event. So Tara pulled into the parking lot of her apartment complex. And as she was walking up to the building, John came out of nowhere and attacked her with a knife. He tried to push her back into the car, possibly for a hostage situation, Um, but Tara started screaming, so John put his hand over her mouth, but she bit him, and they started wrestling on the ground. Um, she was wearing really heavy rain boots at the time and managed to kick the knife out of his hand, and without hesitation, grabbed the knife and started stabbing the shit out of John 13 times. Yes, go Tara. The last one went through his eye and into his brain. And that was the last one, final blow. So a neighbor saw the entire attack and came out with a towel to wrap up Tara's wounds and help her call the police. Um, And after calling 911, she called her mom and said, quote, I think I killed your husband. Oh my God. (laughs) Yep. And surprisingly, when the paramedics got there, John still had a pulse. He's like a fucking cockroach. You can't kill that dude. He doesn't die. I know. He got stabbed in the eye? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> he still has a pulse. Yes, sir. So Whoa. when the when the police got there, they searched his car, and in it, they found duct tape, injectable testosterone, zip ties, kitchen knives, and a passport, which meant that John was headed out of the country and was planning on taking Tara with him. So he was Whoa. admitted, right, so he was admitted to the hospital, and luckily, four days later, the fucker finally died. Oh, he croaked. He Thank croaked. God. <laughs> I was like... Is there another segment no, no, to this no. story where he fucking talks his way out no, of he this? Died. You're like, I had to stab your daughter. She was looking at me weird. Like, <laughs> she took my money. Like, I don't know. That's yeah. why I set the Range Rover on fire. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, so he was on life support for a couple of days, but his sister, who also hated his guts, took him off. Um, oh, oh, my God. Well, I mean, I think at that point he probably was like. Oh, he wasn't coming back, but like. But she took him off. Wild that his sister yeah. was like, yep, take him off, yeah, unplug him this off. shit. Yeah. Um, and he was cremated and had no memorial service. And no one cared about him. And everyone hated him. So no one cared. Well, that is tending to, you know, that's what happens. Yep. So Deborah and her daughters were traumatized after this. And it took Deborah quite some time before she could feel normal again. But it inspired her to speak out and help other victims of domestic violence. Um, as of now, Deborah lives in Nevada and owns a new company called Ambrosia Home that she founded in 2017. Um, she still struggles with guilt to this day for bringing such a dangerous man into her family's lives and not listening to them. But Deborah's close with her daughters again and very cautious um, and specifically said that she won't be doing any more online dating. Who can blame her? Right. Like, I know that like this whole time we might have been like you know like what the fuck are you thinking deborah but like this poor woman yeah like yeah you know, i mean it's it's really hard to it's hard to put yourself where she might have been yeah well, i mean it's hard to like sympathize with deborah at times in this story but you know for someone who 
I mean, she was in a very abusive, toxic relationship. And like, you know, that's not something that you can easily get out of. Yeah, and it's not, it's not something you can imagine unless you're putting it. Right, yeah. And he, I mean, he was, you know, a master manipulator. Like, he was born and raised to manipulate. He had done it time and time again with multiple women, you know? So he has had practice. Yeah. And she's just this woman who, you know, wanted someone to love her. And he was, you know, he was doing, like, to her face, he was, you know, I'm sure charming as ever and you know he was a good pretty good looking guy and you know all the things that his family or her family was telling him telling her about him you know she didn't see all of it like yes she saw some of it but like you know you don't you're like oh well he's so good to me how could he possibly be bad but he was but but okay there was definitely a few points particularly like when he got admitted to the hospital oh, and he was like, oh, for oh, sure. like there are some points where I'm being like, come on. Deborah. Oh, for sure. I'm not letting Deborah completely off the hook because she, yeah. she, she got back with his ass after finding all yeah. of the things, all of like, the things yeah, that should have like, that should have been, no, that should have been it. Should have been it. Yeah. Which is why the family was just like, fuck that. I'm not going to talk to you. Like if, yeah. if this is what you're choosing, like, this I is what you're choosing. Yeah. I can't imagine my mom doing some shit no. like that. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, that is the story of Dirty John. Oh, that's it. That's okay, it. Okay, cool. That is it. Dickhead croaked. Yeah. I was like, I I almost w- hesitated. To, yes. Was, was she still married to him at the point when he died? N- Were they divorced nah. yet? I think she was like starting the process of like, what, what does it mean to like annul your marriage? That's. Uh, I think like annul means like, uh, to me, it means like it's something like in the church because okay. you, when you annul the marriage, it's like, yeah. oh, it never happened. Like it wasn't real yeah, because well, I think... for so long the church was like marriage is a forever bond sure. and like you can't get divorced. But then they kind of like introduced something to like, you call it annulling the marriage, yeah. but it's what happens when you divorce it basically just kind of like whitewashes sure, that. Sure, sure. Well, that... I don't know what, what process or what what part of the process they were at at that stage but um you know she wasn't living with him at that point like she was staying with Jacqueline and like hiding from him so it was in the process of so she's still legally married to him maybe yeah. then could she have been the one that pulled the plug like legally if she's still married to him then like i don't know, think that they point. would do that good, i don't think yeah. that they would do that but technically she's still like he's her husband yeah still at well this then point. M- she probably wasn't her his husband or her his wife anymore because the sister was called in you know yeah so i don't know well i mean I, I it doesn't really matter the the hospital would be calling your partner that you're currently getting a divorce from to pull the plug right on you. yeah you wouldn't do that so <laughs> but yeah i am curious like what would have happened there yeah i don't know but yeah whew, i almost hesitated to tell that story because it was like it's like just <laughs> i don't know like the, i feel like the i mean i guess she's a survivor because sur- she is she's definitely a survivor like and i mean you know her whole family are so kind of, yeah oh absolutely i mean that's that was the kind of part where i was like okay this so is a survival like, did, story did she get stabbed at all yeah she had defensive wounds and she was yeah she was cut up for sure oh that sucks yeah um, okay i'm sorry i thought that she had none and he got oh no like up. he came at her with that a knife been awesome so she had like i think she had like defensive wounds on her hands and her arms and stuff like that because the the neighbor came out and like wrapped up her hands and arms with a towel Jesus because she was Christ. bleeding um yeah yeah so she's definitely she a survivor a badass absolutely oh my that's god a big man didn't even hesitate that's a yeah, big man big man six two 
yeah. big. And she was a, like a little, like skinny, you know, girl. Yeah. And she like didn't even hesitate to. F- I mean, I mean Stab that's that well. The thing is, is like in it, the eye. at that point, it's kill or be killed. You know, it is. So you know, 100%. her instincts were correct. On point. And you know, no one's missing him. So whatever. But anyway, what's your yes. good thing? Anything? <laughs> My good thing. Christmas is this Christmas. week. Christmas. I'm that's taking it from you. You can't say it. Aww. Christmas is this week. Okay. It's My... a, to do some Christmas zooming with Hell the fam yeah. and get some time off baby hell yeah some rest and relaxation hell yeah yeah my good thing is also christmas because you don't make the rules anyway okay (laughs) (laughs) anyway thank you so much for listening we hope you have a happy happy holiday if you or anyone you know has a story of survival or really anything just drop us an email our our, uh gmail is notodaypodcast at gmail.com and we hope you just keep breathing yeah yeah